welcome back, and we're excited to be able to jump into our brand new series today and our brand new um, section. So if you were with us here uh, last week through Easter, um, we just want to celebrate uh, what God has done, that through our different platforms, we had hundreds of views. And so that means that people either clicked it for a few seconds or a lot of people actually would stay and watch the whole thing. So we're celebrating that there were more people that were watching online than we would have been able to fit into our normal um, Easter Sunday services if we were meeting on campus. And so that's a really exciting thing. We also got to celebrate with Kyle Clark and his baptism. Um, and that was just an incredible moment um, and really exciting to, to see him step up and the example that sets for all of us. But also, if you um, were on the Facebook platform, you may not have seen that on the church platform, the online uh, church platform, we had an opportunity to um, allow people to raise their hands and click a button if they wanted to raise their hand, hand and surrender their life to Christ. And so uh, in our first service, we had four people do that. In our second service, we had three. So through our Easter service last week, we had seven people who were surrendering their lives to Jesus. And so we just want to celebrate that. Um, if you're on the church platform, just like click that heart button a couple times just to be able to celebrate. Um, but no, we're, we're just so thankful for how God works and how he's using technology and the season uh, to be able to uh, just spread his gospel in a way that's uh, exciting. So with that said, uh, I want to thank you guys for inviting people, and I want to welcome those of you uh, who maybe joined us for the first time last week, or uh, you're, you're just wanting to dive into our new series that um, we're going to go through um, one of the letters of Paul. Paul is one of the apostles. Um, he's an incredible follower of Jesus that once started off as an enemy of the people of God. Um, he was a, a Pharisee, and so he followed a lot of the laws and the rules, but didn't have a relationship, and then uh, Jesus changed his life and uh, he ended up becoming a missionary and, and planting churches and writing a bunch of the New Testament. And so we're going to read one of his letters over the next several weeks uh, through the book of Colossians. And Colossians, we're choosing this one. Um, it's got some great themes in it, but specifically we wrote this or we chose this because Paul wrote this book, this letter to the church of Colossae while he was in prison. And, and this was his first prison uh, experience in Rome. And so this wasn't the, um, uh, this wasn't the, the, the lesser, the worst kind, excuse me. It was, this was more of a house arrest. Uh, he was still had to be there, but he was still able to minister. He had some freedoms a little bit. And so it just felt applicable for us to learn some lessons from house arrest. That what were the things that Paul, while he was isolated and distanced from people um, and in house arrest where he couldn't leave where his home um, or he, he was still stuck there. What are the lessons that he had for the church? And so as we are in a place where we are in our homes, what are, what can we learn and what lessons might God have for us as the church through the letter of Colossians? And so I would ask that you would uh, join me in a word of prayer as we dive into uh, this book over the next several weeks. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and that it is active. We thank you that um, you speak to us through your word. Though it was written to a specific group of people 2,000 years ago, Lord, that you um, have messages and truths for us because your word is God-breathed. So help us to have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to receive what you have for us. I pray that as we dive in, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And God, that you would um, just meet us where we are in our walk with you and to um, experience uh, the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, the sermon title today is talking about this idea of uh, long-distance relationships. And 
Um, when Steph and I uh, started dating, we met in high school and we went to prom together and high school sweethearts. Uh, but then for our first year of college, um, we ended up um, going to different schools. She went to Azusa Pacific University up in LA County and I went down here to UC San Diego. And I remember when uh, she left, because the APU was on a semester system, they started earlier, we were later. I remember when she left just like saying goodbye to her and I was just like sitting there just like crying and so sad because it's like long distance and you don't know what that's going to look like. And if you've ever been in a long distance relationship, whether it's a romantic one or whether it's, um, you know, just a friendship that you hold dear, when you have a long distance relationships, you have to put a lot of work into it. You have to be really intentional about it. And so when Steph and I dated in that first year of college, uh, first two years rather, it's we had to be intentional. We, we had to make sure we had time on the phone to talk to one another. We would visit each other, not by plane, but by train and by automobile uh, different times. And, and there was even one time when she was sick and um, I ended up uh, taking a can of like chicken noodle soup and like driving from San Diego to LA to give it to her. Um, and I know that sounds romantic. What's not romantic is the fact that I got really lost and I didn't know where I was going. And so the surprise was completely ruined. And, uh, you know, so I was trying to figure out where to go. And she's like, look at the mountains, like, because the mountains were north and would give me a direction. I'm like, it's dark. I can't see anything. So, you know, sometimes the best laid plans, uh, they go awry. But it was still it was still fun to be intentional about investing in long distance relationships. And so now as we are looking at uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, 1 through 14, as you can see there, as we look at the idea of long-distance relationships, or even for us, social distance relationships, in, in the sense that we're not able to be around each other as much as we would like to. And we have to be really intentional in this season, intentional to follow up with people through phone calls, or to send that text, or to mend a bridge, or to build a bridge, and to mend a broken relationship, and to be able to do that, and we have to be intentional to work on those things. And the reason we start off here is that our main point for today is you hear when there's long distance relationships that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think there's truth in that. Um, I think when we get to all be back together as a church, um, in a church building, um, when we get to have those times, it's gonna be so great to see everybody and to be able to do that. And I don't know when that is. Um, in the meantime, please just keep taking care of yourself and washing hands and uh, respecting social distance, all those things, just to make sure that uh, we're doing our best to, to flatten the curve and, and move forward in this uh, coronavirus pandemic. But when we get back together, we're able to do that. It's going to be so great. And so uh, the main point, though, that I want to share is, is that if absence makes the heart grow fonder, the distance, distance can make God's church grow stronger. If absence makes the heart grow fonder within relationship, the distance that we're separating from one another right now, but that has the opportunity to build the church and to strengthen the church in ways that maybe we wouldn't have normally foreseen, in ways that maybe we would have been comfortable or complacent how we've been in the past, and maybe, just maybe, God is connecting us and binding us as a church worldwide in a way that was unprecedented, except for, you know, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, but a way that the impact will be unprecedented as we look in the future. So as we look at Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1, uh, but the, the point there for your notes underneath the main point is that in a season of social distancing, the church grows stronger when we see we are all more connected than we realized. That when we realize we are all more connected than we really thought. I mean, you think about the fact that the reason we're all indoors is that the, the pandemic started in the Wuhan area of China. And within 
you know, the, the, these past few months, um, since the first case till now, um, I'm going to show you a map and the countries that are colored, um, that have a blue color to it are the ones that have some case, at least some cases of the virus. And it shows you an idea of how much it's truly spread. And so I'll show you here and, you know, if it's hard for you to see countries that aren't, that don't have that color, it's because it shows how widespread. There's a one here, a couple over there, um, but it, it's really hard. It's been really pervasive and, and it's gone everywhere. And it reminds us that there's a virus that was from across the ocean and we're connected enough that we here in Poway, California, North San Diego County, are needing to stay home. And that's pervasive across the world, different measure, measures that need to be taken. And so we are all connected more than we could have even realized. When this first came up, I remember thinking, this isn't going to affect us that much. And then all of a sudden it did. And we started having more cases and we needed to take some more precautions. And I bring that up because Paul is connected to the Church of Colossae, even though he's never met them. This is not a group of friends that he's had that he helped start the church there and then he left. Instead, this is um, something that he was able to, uh, someone he reached for Jesus is the one who started this church. So let's, let's dive into the first couple verses of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, just says that Paul's the author. Timothy is someone he saw as like a spiritual son, a co-worker, a very close um, friend of the gospel. Verse 2, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So again, this is written, Paul wrote this, uh, he was the author, um, it's un pretty undisputed that he's the author um, of this book, and so he wrote this around 60 AD, so around, give or take 30 years after Jesus died, and he wrote this again while he was imprisoned, while he was under house arrest in Rome. And then as a sidebar, it was amazing to think about that how when Paul was in house arrest, unable to leave the, the, the room he was in, he was used by God in such an incredible way to have such an amazing impact by writing these letters and by pouring into people and investing in people. And I wonder who it is that God might be calling you to reach that normally when we're busy in the hustle and bustle and everything, that you don't have a chance to follow up with people or to reach out. Who is it that God is slowing your life down a bit for so that you could reach out to people, you could share the gospel, and you can have an impact? And it could be something that you, God might be using you in a way that you do not even know and you can't even foresee. But how we choose to follow God here in these times of house arrest or self-quarantine um, or social distancing, this is the kind of life and this is the kind of impact that we can see. And we see it embodied through Paul. Then verse 2 talks about how, again, he's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, but he's never been there. In fact, the church was started by Epaphras, and we'll hear his name in verse 7. But Epaphras was someone that um, was from Colossae, and uh, it's believed that he became a Christian and understood the gospel of the kingdom of God while Paul was doing ministry in Ephesus. Ephesus is about 100 miles um, west of Colossae. Um, and so the, the, the idea is that Epaphras was in Ephesus, and they were able to, he had received the gospel, and then he went back to his home, and he shared it and created this church. And again, church isn't about the building, and we're learning that now. Church is the people. So this church is, you know, 
a group of people meeting in a home or a small group. It's not this huge thing. And we've been thrust again back into this idea of what the church looked like thousands of years ago. But we see this very simple idea of Epaphras going and telling the people he knew how much the Lord had done for him. And it ties us back to Mark chapter 5 and the story of the demoniac when um, the demon-possessed man um, was freed from the demons. And he wants to go with Jesus to um, follow him and to be his follower and disciple. And Jesus says, no, you need to go to Decapolis, which just is a place that means Decapolis means 10 cities. So it's a, it's a big area. He says, just go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And we see the next time that Jesus shows back up to the Decapolis, there are tons of people who knew the story of the demoniac, or at least he heard the gospel through the demoniac. And through that, they wanted to hear who Jesus was. And so it's that same call that we have. We, not all of us um, feel like we're able to share, oh, I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about scripture. I don't know all the answers to everyone's questions. That's not what we're called to do. We're called, as, as Pastor Evan shared a few weeks ago, we're someone's expert to somebody. Every one of you watching, you know more than someone about Jesus. Even if it's your first time watching church or being a part of church, you know something more than maybe others do. So you're someone's expert. But we just have to be willing to share what we do know and not be afraid of the things we don't know. And so I want to encourage you that there are people in your life that Epaphras didn't know all the answers yet. He just shared what God had done in his life. What would it look like for you to share what God has done in your life, whether through social media, through a phone call, through a letter, through some correspondence of a relationship that might be long distance or social distance right now, but you can draw closer to one another through the gospel and through sharing of that. We continue on in verse verse 3, and, and the next point there here for us is that God's church grows stronger, not just when we realize we're more connected than we ever were. But God's church grows stronger when we're thankful, not just for a physical building, but for what God is building. That we're grateful for our church. I, when we came there last week and to baptize Kyle, I remember walking up to the church building and just realized, oh, I, miss, I miss being here. I miss seeing people here. And you know, it was a little bit of, a, of being grateful for that building. So thankful that we're, we're a city on a hill right there. But the truth is, is that we're not just grateful for the building because it's God's church isn't a building. It's not an address. It's not four walls. In fact, God's church is what he's building and who he's building up for his kingdom across the world. I want to read from Colossians 1, starting in verse 3, as we see the thanksgiving that Paul has for what God has been building in the church of Colossae, even though he's never met them. They have a long-distance relationship because of the gospel. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that, spr- that spring excuse me, from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So again, Paul is just thanking him or praising them and excited for the faith, hope, and love that they have in their relationship with God. And notice in verse 4 that the faith that we have in Christ is accompanied by the love that we have for one another. That you've heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and you have love for the saints. So if we say we have Christ and we say we follow Jesus but we don't love one another, then we're not, we're, something's not right. And John talks about that 
If we say one thing, if we say we're in the light, but we're really living in the dark, then, then we're lying. If we say we want, we love Jesus, but then we don't love his people, or we get bitter amongst followers, then something's not right. It's both and, not either or. And then we see again the idea that how they received the gospel in verse um, 5 and 6. And then the next part of verse 6 is, All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, remember we mentioned him earlier, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And I love this idea from verse 6, this idea that the gospel is bearing fruit across the world. And in the same way that it's changing lives in the Church of Colossae, it's changing lives across the world. And it was, it was a, a, a really cool exercise or a cool moment for me this past week as I was wanting to think about what's the impact that our church, the Pomerado Christian Church, has had across the world. And I spoke with Dennis, and, um, who's our missions committee uh, leader, and he was sharing just the different um, ministries that we have and which people or which ministries, or missionaries, excuse me, um, were sent out from the church. And so the relationship that we have with um, Steve Captain and the captain's uh, the Captain family, the ones that we have with the Reeser family, um, the one that we've had um, with the McKinneys, the one that we've had with the Pembertons, the one uh, that we have um, just going back generations. And, and to think about how there are people that have been part of our church and that God in various times has, has sent them out. Now, does that mean that it's our church gets credit for all that? No, but our church has been part of the story in which people who love Jesus have been sent out across the world to have an impact for him. And I was able to speak with uh, Pastor Evan and Linda Foote as they were sharing about how a group of students that they knew when they started youth ministry here and, and the impact of you know one going to Panama and one uh, going to um, different places for wells and, and to be able to see some of those kids being the ones that become, you know, the McKinney's who go and Carol does that and Chris does that and has an impact across um, the world zone of Asia through dynamic church planning and being able to think about the impact that when we read here that not only is the gospel good for us or it speaks to us and it changes us, but the gospel is good news for the world and it speaks to the world and it changes the world. And if there's ever a time that the world needs to hear the good news of the gospel, it's now. It's now when we're behind closed doors, but as we learned last week, because of the open tomb, God does some of his best work behind closed doors. But we have an opportunity to see how the gospel has changed our lives. But that's not where it's meant to stay. And I, and I know you know that, but it's the, the idea of being able to think of across the world, bearing fruit and growing. And our church has played a beautiful role in that um, years for years and years, for decades now to be able to have a global impact on the gospel. And, and I know I only shared a few names in a few places, and so I know that I missed a lot, but it's incredible to see how God has used our church to be able to send people out. And so for me, as a pastor who's only been here for two years now, um, I think about you know a Steve Captain, right? I've never met him. I've, I've, we're friends on Facebook, and I've heard great things about him. I, I, I've never met um, some of the other missionaries that we've sent out. Uh, I've heard stories about Hippo Valley, Mashoko Village. I've heard stories about different places, but I've not been there, about Mary Del Glass that was sent out as well in, in Philippines. I've, I've heard stories. I haven't met them yet. 
and sort of likens it to me about how Paul, again, hasn't met the church of Colossae. He hasn't been able to see and meet the faces of people impacted by the gospel. But what he does know is that because he knew Epaphras and Epaphras went out, that Paul has a relationship with people in a city and a place he's never been because of the gospel and because of one person who's sharing that story as a missionary. That we have connections as our church to people in the Philippines and people in Thailand and people in Mexico, uh, people all across Asia, people in uh, Malaysia, people in, um, uh, oh man, India. I mean, I'm forgetting so many places because there's so many. And we've never met them, but we have a very clear connection to them through our missionaries being sent out, just as Epaphras was sent out. And so we can envision how Paul saw this from that perspective that he had a connection with them, even if he never met them. But then, uh, as we close in the last se several verses here, um, in verses 9 through 14, you know, we've talked about how we're more connected than we could even realize. And we also talked about how we are thankful. Paul was thankful for how, what God was building in the Church of Colossae. Are we thankful for what God is doing across our different missionaries and the different um, people that we are serving and, and um, supporting financially and praying for and supporting that way. Are we thankful for that, just as Paul is? And I wonder, when was the last time that, that I or you, that, that we just spent some time praying for our missionaries? If you uh, received the newsletter in April, um, it was great to be able to hear from each of our 10 missionaries that we support and to be able to hear what God is doing, different prayer requests they have, different things God is working. And, and I encourage you to read over those and to, to pray um, for our missionaries over this next week, month, this whole season, to be able to lift them up in prayer, to be thankful for what God is doing and to know that we have a part in playing that. But also the, the last point for us today is that God's church also grows stronger when we pray for each other, no matter the distance between us. That when we pray for each other, no matter the distance between us. Let's continue on, Colossians 1, starting back in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share an inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We'll stop there for a moment. And I love how just Paul's like, so we've been praying for you. We're thankful for you, as we saw in the previous point and the previous few verses. He's thankful for the Church of Colossae, but he's praying for them. He's going before the Father and asking God to work in the church and through the church. And I love how it talks about how he's praying for knowledge and wisdom and understanding, but notice it's not for knowledge and wisdom and understanding's sake on its own. It's not just so that we could have more information in our minds. But it's so that this information we receive can lead to transformation so we and others can believe. And so being able to say, he says, I'm praying for you to have knowledge, but not just so that you can learn more. Because as, as we, we see in the word too, that knowledge can puff up, but love builds up. So he's saying, I want you to learn and to grow, but not so that you can just fill your head with knowledge without putting it into action. 
but so that what you learn and how you're growing and what God is teaching you is going to have an impact so that whenever you see so that it's a really big deal in the Bible because it's saying, here's the thing, but here's the reason why so that you can. And what does he say? We want you to have knowledge and everything and wisdom and we pray that in order you may live a life worthy of the Lord, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So when we think about praying for our missionaries or praying for our church or praying for one another, that we want to pray that God would help us to be wise, but that our wisdom or what we learn is so that the gospel can be shared, so that we can live a life worthy of God, so we can bear fruit so that we could grow in his knowledge, so that we can be strengthened, so that we can endure and be patient, so we could joyfully give thanks that God has qualified us to share in his inheritance. That it's not just praying for us to learn more. It's that what we learn changes how we live. That it's not about information. It's about transformation. And so... Um, it's been fun for me, or it's been good for me to... Uh, some of you know, some of you may not know that I was part of a leadership program um, for a couple of years and uh, it's primarily in North America, so it's primarily in America, but a lot of it is uh, in Canada and I met some incredible people um, across, the, across Canada and America, um, but I also had the opportunity, the blessing to meet some people that um, are Australian and someone who's a Canadian who's doing missionary work in Thailand. And, a lot of the people were able to meet, one of our responsibilities was to meet with our cluster, our smaller group of four in the midst of a class of 22, 21 people, and meet together and pray. Well, people who all lived in Toronto together or all lived um, in certain areas of Canada, they could all actually meet together and drive together. Or we got in the habit of every month we would meet on Facebook Messenger and be able to, to talk with one another, to ask questions, to, to pray with one another. And we took a few months off recently, but for the most part, we've been able to stay consistent, praying with one another and, and meeting up. And so last night, uh, I had the opportunity to kind of reconnect with some friends. Matt here on the left, I'm in the middle. Javier is on the right, and then Liesl is in the bottom right corner. Um, and we got a chance to pray together, to hear how we're doing, and again, to pray one another no matter the distance between us. And there's been a lot of transition and change in, in our lives as a, as a missionary, Matt, Javier works um, uh, for the Salvation Army, and so he's changed locations since we uh, started Arrow. I switched to this church since we started Arrow. Liesl has changed roles as well. And, and in the midst of this change, one of them said, I think Matt said last night, the idea that this Arrow group has been one of our greatest constants in this past few years of change. And so to be able to pray with one another, even though the distance between us is off and far away, um, Javier and I are in California, so that's 9 p.m. our time we met, which was um, 11 a.m. the next day for Matt, and it's 2 p.m. the next day for Liesl. So we had to navigate times, but it's worth it. We get to pray together, even though there's a distance between us. And so being able to recognize that as we grow as a church, it's to go beyond the, the people that meet in our building on a Sunday morning. The people watching right now, you may never step foot in one of our building, in our building because you live far away. Maybe you're, you live somewhere um, across the world or across the country. Um, and you may never actually, we may never be able to shake hands and meet you face to face, but you're part of the, the greater community of our church by joining us today. And, and so, 
being able to pray for you and knowing that you can pray for us is something that allows us and the church to be more connected again than we ever realized. That we're praying for people across the country, across the world, and that they're connecting and, and diving in. And as we do that, we recognize that if we pray for one another, God does this thing when we pray for people that, you know, if you're mad at someone or if there's an enemy you have, what does he say? Does he say, curse your enemies? He says, pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because when we go on behalf of someone to the Father and intercede on their behalf, not only does that strengthen our relationship with God, but it opens up the door for us to have a stronger relationship with the person, even if there's someone who persecutes us. And so maybe it's someone who you're having a hard time with, but you want to pray for them and take that time to intentionally do that this week. Maybe it's something where you just started wanting to pray for our missionaries. You want to pray for Christians in different areas across the world. You want to pray for people, uh, healthcare people across the world on the front lines, taking care of people um, in the midst of the virus. And so maybe this is a season in which we can be thankful for, for um, the connection, what God is doing and what he's building across the world, but also we can become more prayerful in the midst of this. That we're home. What would it look like if we took some of that time at home to intercede on behalf of those who are um, either don't know Jesus or who love him and who are struggling? The last couple verses here as we close up, verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And now in that verse, the reason the celebration of the gospel is that, as Paul says, that we have been rescued, that Jesus rescued us from darkness and he removed us from that and helped us to escape from that. And it talks about too how he, this, this word that he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves is a word that could be used for someone who has been transported into a different country or a different community, removing someone from one's country to another. That all of us, before we've come to know Jesus, we've all been under the, the, um, the shadow of darkness, of death, and of sin. Now, last week we talked about that God loves us, but that we blew it, and that Jesus paid for it, and that we must receive him. And so as we think about this is that we've all been in times of darkness. And I know some of you, you hear we blew it and that doesn't feel good and that doesn't feel right. You don't agree with it. And, and I think I understand that because I don't always like hearing that too. But when I evaluate our lives and evaluate the struggles we have, it, it, it makes sense that something isn't right. But the way that God created things and, and how things are right now, it's, there's nothing that's not right. There's something off. And so we've all been under the dominion of darkness, but God sent Jesus to pay for it, and he rescued it from us, from it, excuse me, and he brings us, he transports us from the country and the realm of darkness into the country and the realm and the kingdom of God. And that is what we celebrate. That is the, the truth, the gospel that the, Col the Colossians understood. That's why Paul was thanking God for how he was building the church up in them. And that's what we want to continue to pray for, for people across the world, even if we never met, meet them, that we'd be able to just say that we are praying for them and we're excited for what God is doing. And so as we close, there's just a couple questions I want to kind of ask all of us to process this week. We think about long distance relationships. Paul to Colossae was long distance, never met. Us 
to one another right now. We're socially distant. We're not, we're not seeing each other face to face. So who, what people in your life, whether it's because of distance, long distance, because of physical barriers there, whether it's socially distant because we're just, you know, we haven't seen each other in a little while, or whether it's emotionally distant, a hurt relationship, a broken promise, a bridge that's been burned. I was reading recently about how people are looking at this season and it's causing them to reevaluate some grudges they've held on to and burying certain hatchets so that we can build relationships. Is there anyone in your life that there's been a broken relationship that you're distant from them? And what would it look like for you to reach out and to try to build that bridge and mend that gap? What would it look like to slowly, you know, in time, build that relationship up so that you can have an impact from within house arrest, within self-quarantine, within social distancing, to have an impact like Paul had an impact on the Colossian church and on us thousands of years later by using the time of being staying at home to have an impact so that other people could find their home in Christ. How can you, second question, how can you start praying for Christians around the world? You know, what does it look like for you to be thankful for how God is working across the world and expanding our mind from, of church outside our address of our building, but to address how God is building or what he's building across the world? What does that look like for you to expand our intercession, to expand our prayer for one another? And to be able to pray verse the, for different ministries and missionaries and people across the world, pray the, the prayer that Paul did in verses 9 through 12, that they bear fruit, they gain, gain knowledge, live lives worthy of the Lord, to be able to live that out and to be able to pray for one another. And I want to close just with one more idea. And I mentioned earlier about the impact that Pomerado Christian Church has had across the world. And, I, you know, I started off uh, the sermon with uh, that map of, of how many people have been impacted by uh, COVID-19, by the coronavirus. And, you know, obviously, uh, it's pretty overwhelming to see that. And I, I was speaking to, um, or as I was finding out different countries that um, some of our missionaries live in, if you include countries that some of our missionaries oversee and, and invest in leaders who live in these countries, you think about countries that maybe our, ch our church has gotten mission trips for over the past several years, or you think about even pastors who have come, and maybe they serve in America, they serve in, in our country, but they've been sent out from our church as well. And you start to think about the impact that our church, that we talk about our address, you know, on Stone Canyon, that there's been an impact that has gone across the world. So we started off with a map of how the virus has spread because we're more connected than we all realize. But I want to show you a map of different places across the world, either from missionaries, from pastors that we've invested in, missionaries we support, um, missions trip that we've gone to, um, people we've sent out. And I know I'm probably missing several, but I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage us today, that yes, we are more connected than we ever realized, and the virus has shown us that. But God's word and his gospel and his kingdom is being used and spread through us in ways that are far greater than we realize. In fact, Dennis was sharing that he was speaking with John Hendy um, and how John Hendy has written um, a peace treaty and he's uh, really trained and had a close relationship with uh, Mike and Dino Bukta. And um, John Hendy was, you know, Dennis and John were talking about how at one point the Buktas had mentioned to Dennis Riley how, you know, probably about 
2,500 people um, had been baptized uh, throughout the, the scale of the ministry there. And that's, a, that's amazing. And we got to rejoice over Kyle's baptism last week and um, Tony Williams, Anthony Williams a couple weeks ago before that. And we're excited about that. And so we hear the number 2,500 and that feels just astronomically huge. And so Dennis is like, you know, is that, is that really an accurate number? And John's response was kind of a, kind of, kind of not scoffed at in a negative way, but like, oh, I mean, his response was, that's probably small. That, that's, that's probably smaller number, a lower estimate of the impact of just that one set of missionaries. So as we're looking at Paul and we're starting this book of Colossians, who's, he's writing it to a church he's never met. You and I, we will not meet all the people impacted by missionaries, ministries, missions trips that our church has been a part of over the past 52 years. We, we won't be able to meet all of them, but we do have a connection with them. God's kingdom is working and he's using our church in this beautiful way, financially, support, going on trips to change the world for Christ. One, I hope we look at that and we think, wow, that's an incredible impact. Two, I hope we look at that and say, man, there's still a lot of good impact left to do that God still has a lot of work to do through our church and that our best days as a church are ahead of us. And so I want to uh, close us in a word of prayer as we uh, just kind of keep this uh, in mind. Father, we thank you so much for, for your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be um, brought into your kingdom in the midst of... Um, being once part of the kingdom of darkness, but now being brought into the kingdom of light. Lord, we recognize that, um, we recognize, Lord, that it's not of anything that we've done, but Jesus, you paid for it. You brought us in. You've moved us from one country and kingdom of darkness to the country and kingdom of light and of life. And Lord, thank you that we have the honor to be able to be part of sharing your kingdom with those around us. So Lord, I pray that we think about our relationships and we think about um, long distance and social distance. Help us to pray more for one another, to build bridges, to make a way where, there's no, where there was no way, to have an impact for your gospel and to share about what you've done for us just as Epaphras did to the Church of Colossae. Just go and tell people what you've done in our lives. So Jesus, thank you so much for the impact our church has had over the past 50 years. And we thank you in advance for the impact our church will have over the next 50 years. God, we love you. We're grateful. And help us to be your examples and your lights, even from house arrest, self-quarantine, and social distancing. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to have a time of communion now. And as we close, I just want to take a moment to um, remember that uh, Jesus came down. And we think about long-distance relationships. And he was in heaven. And he wanted to have that relationship with us. But the distance he had to travel was more than just from heaven to earth. It was the gap of our God's righteousness and holiness to our sin. And so he came down. And he made that relationship work. He, he laid down his life. Lived a perfect life. Died a horrible death. And was raised to new life. So we could experience life with the Father. And so... Um, what we'll do is we're just going to leave a couple moments now just to be able to, uh, we have the bread that reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for, and, and uh, died for our sins. And we take the juice that reminds us of his blood that was poured out. 
And so if you will just take, um, we'll take about 30 seconds to a minute now. Um, if you have your elements, gather those together. Let me pray. And then we'll have a time of communion. Father, meet us now. Thank you for rescuing us. We take this communion in memory of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection so that we can have eternal life. Thank you for sending him across the distance of your holiness to our sin and bridging the gaps so that we may have a close, intimate relationship with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to partake of the elements as you feel led. Thank you all again so much for joining us today as we started our series in Colossians. Please know that if you have a prayer request, please don't hesitate to uh, share it with us either by clicking the tab or by clicking the live prayer button um, or just writing it out on Facebook. Please don't, um, please don't hesitate to ask if you need anything, that we want to help and come alongside you in your journey, that we want you to know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. Those aren't just words that we say at the end of the sermon. It's true. And to send you out, I just want to repeat from number six, the idea that may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. May he grant you his peace. And today, this season, and throughout your lives. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us here at church. We cannot wait to continue our series next week with you. God bless. We'll see you next week.